Hello, interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. Most of the big franchises enjoyed by modern audiences are decades old by now. And that longevity comes with certain benefits, certain drawbacks, which we're planning to talk about today. Just what does it mean to be a decades-old franchise in 2023? We're going to zoom past our medium shot because there's really no context to give here other than we're connoisseurs of media and like long-running franchise. We'll lead it all up. So let's just get into our close-up now and discuss this thing. So I think one problem right off the hop with decades-long franchises is sometimes they have trouble finding a new audience. I don't know if it's just you, but in my experience, a lot of the things that have run for a very long time, I'm in the minority for liking them as a young person. Most Mm -hmm. of the audiences for things skew a little bit older. Uh, They're either millennials or Gen X or boomers. Yeah. Um. Anyone older than that doesn't seem to be a fan of anything <laughs> long-term, in my experience. Because I guess in the 20s and 30s, they didn't have things with as much staying power. Not as much. Um, but, yeah, I, I just find getting new people on board is harder the longer these things run. The first thing I wonder, off the top of my head, is what's actually the appeal to old franchises Uh, off the top of my head name recognition i guess i should try that because that's famous peer pressure maybe oh you gotta see this well i'm not really interested you got it too bad (laughs) like like do you just jump on things because you've heard of them what about you well i think a lot of it has to do with um just popularity at the time and I think I've just been lucky enough in my life to when I have jumped onto franchises, they were either relatively new or there wasn't that much content for it out. I mean, I jumped at, uh, onto Star Wars when at a very young age when the prequels were coming out. And uh, yeah. there was only like maybe four or five movies out when I was there. Now there's so much content, it's hard to keep track of. We grew up with the Marvel franchise from the beginning. Um and just, uh, oh, I had another franchise off the top of my head, but now I can't remember what it is. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's hard to, especially when Infinity War was coming out, I remember uh, when people were like, oh, should I watch the other movies to get a sense of what Infinity War is? And people would often say, no, but it would help. Okay, how many movies are there? 22. Oh, um, that's a lot of time and effort. And especially nowadays, no, no. And, um, I think nowadays, especially people's patience is very thin, especially with different types of franchises. I think especially now with star Wars, I mean, I've even heard a few takes with, we'll talk about it later on, but, uh, there's a few people who aren't the biggest fans of Ahsoka right now because they do tailor towards this sort of niche series Rebels that came out a few years ago. Well, and they Ahsoka, don't fully understand it or fully are invested. Ahsoka is actually one of the main things I wanted to talk about today in this regard. It's 
kind of what sparked my idea for this episode in general about the the pitfalls mm-hmm. of longing running franchises. And it's kind of like you said with Marvel that you owe oh, 22 movies of context just to understand this new movie. Where is the line for new audiences where we're basically the rest of us are basically being gatekeepers and saying, um, not that you can't come, but you probably shouldn't unless mm-hmm. you've done some homework. It's like, well, some franchises are, oh, you've only got to watch one movie. And other franchises are, uh, you have 22 movies and all these TV <laughs> series to watch just to understand the core plot. You're, you're still not going to understand a lot. Yeah. Uh, Ahsoka in particular, like you said, it, it carries over from a whole other cartoon where all these characters have been introduced before for, for the first time in live action. And a lot of people or casual watchers of the Star Wars franchise they don't know who this is, but I'm also like, well, why is that the show's fault? Why are you jumping on to Ahsoka, which was like any Star Wars fan will tell you it's basically season five of Rebels. It's a spinoff of the Mandalorian. Ahsoka Tano as a character came from a, another cartoon that ran for seven seasons <laughs> before, which mm-hmm. is... Okay, so Ahsoka Tano came from a TV show that ran for seven seasons, which is the spinoff of a prequel trilogy off of a franchise that came out 40 years ago, which was, so that's a spinoff of a spinoff of a spinoff, basically, and why are we still expecting you to understand this? Uh, I'm like, does Ahsoka have to be explaining how the Force works? Like, what? Yeah. How, how new... How new are we catering exactly. to? Like what? Like what's the level you're supposed you're supposed to be coming in at? Like how much does it need to explain for you mm-hmm. to be satisfied? And I don't want to be a toxic fan that's like like I said gatekeeping and being like, oh no, you shouldn't watch Ahsoka unless you've seen all six Star Wars movies and the Clone Wars cartoon and all of Rebels. That's too much. I don't expect that. Maybe Ahsoka should be a little more forgiving for newbies. But it's also like, okay, I I as a fan know a lot about this stuff, and I would very much appreciate not having my time wasted, having it re-explained for all the people mm-hmm. who don't know. Because yeah. I feel like enough people watching this show do know. So where's the line? Well, to me, I feel like you I, it's a lose-lose situation. Whereas if you're trying to re-explain everything that's at least one episode of just exposition which yeah in terms of storytelling just as a whole is never good but if you um don't tailor to some new audiences then you do sort of lose that but i also think some of the casual star wars fans who are a little upset that they didn't do the homework or couldn't do the homework because it was so much about it i think they're just kind of complaining for the sense of complaining and they're just upset that this is for a very niche audience uh, of yeah. the Star Wars fan base. And it's tailored towards them. And uh, uh, Sorry, I got to pay attention. I can't just coast through this. You actually have to listen to understand what's happening yeah. for context. Exactly. I mean, when have or we maybe, ever oh, seen something that was made specifically for an animated universe from an established franchise brought into live action years later? You don't see that. You don't see that happening. And I'm yeah. sorry that you're lost in the dark, but maybe you should have given animation a chance. 
I also just, I don't understand the appeal for something like Ahsoka, though, to people who haven't done their homework. I'm like, who is watching, how many people are watching Ahsoka off her brief appearances in Mandalorian? Why are you even watching right. in the, the Ahsoka show if you don't have some idea of who this character is and why mm. she's interesting? Like, it's a, it's a niche appealing show. And once again, I feel bad for the people who are, who are getting lost. But also, I just don't understand what drew them to this show in the first place and why they expected it. I think it's just kind of like a brand loyalty thing. I think that's what it is. Like, they have to consume everything that, you know, that comes out in live action because they feel like it's important. Um, It's the same thing with Marvel fans. It's uh, sort of the same thing with DC fans as well. Um, Yeah, but at least that kind of brand loyalty, those people who are so hardcore tend to know what they're talking about and watching yeah even if they don't okay fine i don't um i don't plan on watching every installment of everything but i'm familiar mm-hmm. with the characters and their stories enough to get the gist yeah. like i'm not one of those people well i who who missed anything going on new infinity war like we're saying but if i'd missed one or two movies i'd still probably know what's going on because mm-hmm. like I'm loyal enough to have gotten the gist. You don't need to be a hundred percent to get some stuff, but you still got to know. No, for sure. And I I think think also they tail, they do tailor to all the audiences by adding some new stuff in like Balin and Shin are two completely new characters for everybody. They're like, yeah, for everybody. So we're all learning about their history in the universe and their relationship with others and with each other together. So there is some new stuff to it. It's not, oh, this is just a continuation of Rebels and Clone Wars. It's just we've seen these <clears throat> we've seen these characters before. How do they actually interact in live action? Which yeah. leaves me sort of afraid for when eventually they'll probably bring in Cameron Monaghan into live action from the Fallen Order series yeah. um, from the EA games. Because how much are you gonna retread? Yeah, how much are you gonna retread? How, how much, how powerful is Cal going to be in live yeah. action? Because he is—he's a video game character. He's a bit overpowered. There's a reason they haven't brought back Star Killer from The Force Unleashed because he's yeah. a powerhouse. So you're going to be like damned if you do, damned if you don't. I mean, think about the live action fucking um, creation of Dragon Ball Z. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where they tried to tailor to new fans and they pissed off yeah. diehard fans in the process because of how much they fucked up. Another example I think of when it comes to stuff like that is DC's New 52 movement in 2011. Oh my God. Which, see, this is one of the things I, I can speak to from the other side because I'd never read comics before. I was familiar with with DC through their cartoons and their movies, the the Nolan Batman movies, the Bruce Tim uh, cartoons, that kind of stuff. But I never actually read the comics before. And the new 52 controversial, though it seemed was my jumping on point to DC comics. That's where I finally felt comfortable enough to say, you know what? They're getting rid of all the decades of continuity and freeing things up so that new readers like me can hop on and not be confused. Cause Oh, like issue number one, here's a jumping off point. This makes total sense. And I understand that that movement, it messed up a lot. It pissed off long-term readers to the point where 
they lost a lot of their old guard who'd been reading comics for decades because they felt alienated. Like, oh, you just scrapped all the stories I was invested in to cater to new readers. And then they didn't keep many of the new readers either. A lot of them tried it out and mm-hmm. like me. We're like, oh, this is a good space to, to come on. And then they didn't stick with it. So you lost the new readership you were catering to. You pissed off the old fans. <laughs> and suddenly the comics weren't selling, were selling worse than ever. Even though they had a, a brief spike in like a massive boost in sales when it first started. Because everyone yeah. was curious to see what they do. And then it dropped off worse than ever pretty quickly. And they needed to course correct. They kept the new, to their credit, they kept the new 50, or detriment, I don't know, but they kept the new 52 going for a very long time, years after that, before they mm-hmm. finally retconned it in about 2016. So they, they did about five years before they kind of went back to basics. Uh, but the point is, like, from my experience, franchises do have to provide jumping on points for readers or... Mm-hmm whoever's watching consumers but what's the point what's that fine balance between Mm -hmm. getting new people on and alienating old people because in the in the experience of the new 52 it was not worth it for dc history would say because it was always it's the older folks who grew up reading comics when comics were a thing our generation not so much maybe they'll read digital like they know the characters more through adaptation they don't read the source material The comic books. Mm -hmm. So the people who actually read comic books, you drove them out with all these Mm -hmm. reboots and uh, and changing the characters to update them for modern audiences. But the problem is those modern audiences don't exist. They're not reading them. So who is this for? You're just updating for updating it and changing things. Like you're catering to the wrong audience is the problem. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You got to cater to people who were there before. Uh because you're not getting new people. These long-running franchises are just, they're kind of in a loop. They act like they got to get new people, but these people don't stick around. Right. So. Well, it all, it all depends on like where the franchise is at, I think. And it, it's funny because it's an interesting topic and an interesting question, but I also think it rapidly, the answer rapidly changes, but depending on the franchise. Like yeah. one example I can think of is, Nobody wanted to stick with the Planet of the Apes franchise, but they did two reboots. Uh, the first one didn't work, and then the second one, someone had a good vision for. No, see, that's a, that's another good example. Then became one of the great, one of the greatest trilogies of all time. Yeah, that's a good example. I think another one is James Bond, roughly mm-hmm. same kind of era. Things weren't working. They updated. They tried something new. They did a really fresh take to rejuvenate the franchise add new life into it you definitely weren't catering to the people who were watching before but you know what it wasn't making money before it was bombing hard so sometimes you need to try something shockingly different and sometimes it's a colossal failure other times Mm -hmm. it keeps you going a little longer another example i have here for one that pissed the old guard off was the jj abrams star trek reboot from 2009 Mm -hmm. i as a kid was exposed to the original series in small doses didn't really think a whole lot of it i do have some nostalgia for it but it wasn't until those 2009 reboots 
which older Star Trek fans will call sacrilege. They're like, like, what is this? This feels more like Star Wars. There's no intelligent thought in these movies. They're, they're just action-driven spectacle with lens flares for good measure. And I'm like, yeah, but it got me into it. It's These movies are the reason I watched the other 50 years of the franchise, every episode of every TV show. I, didn't, I wouldn't have gotten into it if it wasn't for these movies to kind of hook me in and be like, ooh, modern, flashy, interesting. And yeah, now having gone back through all of it, I look on them more with that jaded eye and say, yeah, these aren't really representative of Star Trek that I come to know and love. But they got me in, so they did their job, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, again, it's like it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Either you piss off your, like, your audience that's been with you since day one, and then just don't try to bring new people in and hope they do come in based on popularity, which never really happens. Or you try to tailor to new audiences, and then you just... <laughs> You sort of have to hope that you uh, got the brand loyalty from your old fans. And it's tough. I mean, I think the only big franchise to ever actually survive that is Star Wars because it is a massive franchise. It's probably it's one of the most successful franchises of all time. Star um, Wars got lucky, though. The only oh, thing for sure. about it, the only reason Star Wars survived is because... Well, because of us, honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to put that out yeah. there. Original trilogy fans who grew up on the, on episodes four, five, and six, they love episodes four, five, and six. Most of them jumped off the bandwagon during the prequels. Star Wars was not a cool thing when we were growing up because the movies were coming out and they were despised, but our, they were made for guys our age who are in their mid twenties now. And now that our generation's growing up, there's been this resurgence about the prequels. And we're like, no, no, they're actually very underrated. And you people who were bashing them 20 years ago, well, we see a lot more good in them than you did back at the time. And they grumble at us and say, oh, well, you know, it's not my Star Wars. <laughs> but we're the same generation who walked into mm -hmm. the sequels and came out feeling like garbage, just like OT fans felt about the prequels 20 years ago. And now we're the generation that bitches about Star Wars. But the kids who grew up on the sequel trilogy now will come back in 20 years when they get a say. And they'll tell us how wrong we were for not appreciating it. Seven, eight, and nine are just as much a part of Star Wars as the rest of it. And they'll tell us how wrong we were. And that's the only reason Star Wars survives. is because it barely held on to life long enough for the detractors to get older and the people who love it to grow up and get a voice. It's kind of this weird cycle with Star Wars specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Star Wars, the people behind it, are doing the best to keep the franchise afloat with just not the movies, but with all the shows and uh, the shorts that come out trying to expand the universe and trying to make it as... trying to make each project as unique as possible. That's the only reason it really has stayed af afloat over the past few years. Yeah, although you could argue that franchise burnout tends to set in when everything popular decides it needs a myriad of spinoffs like that. Yeah, I understand from a from a brand perspective of, hey, strike while the iron's hot. 
This thing is popular. We need to put out as much of it as possible. But as a consumer, I don't want all my free time just going to Star Wars content. Yeah, I know that's what Lucasfilm wants or Marvel wants. If all my free time could be towards their specific brand, you can have enough content for me to just watch that. But I want more variety. To me, these things were special because there was so few of it. It felt um, like a small group of creatives was trying to do something artistic and special. And if that was successful, they did more. And sometimes that was a little less artistic, but it was still the product of a couple minds who wanted to share their stories. Now it feels more, okay, well, we'll just throw anything out there and some stuff sticks, some stuff doesn't, some is legitimately good. Others is just content to fill up the streaming service. And I don't think they really care one way or the other. No. No, I really don't. As long as the money rolls in. <laughs> yeah. But you could also argue that spin-offs are good because it exposes you to more things, especially for things like Marvel, that you're adapting different characters from decades of history for the first time. So to see I don't know, what was a what was a spin-off? Um Okay, WandaVision. It's one of my favorite things to come out of the MCU ever. And I was never particularly interested in Wanda, but she, Elizabeth Olsen's a great performer and she did well enough in Age of Ultron and Infinity War. And I said, you know what? Yeah, let's let's give this uh, WandaVision show a shot. Oh yeah, Paul Bettany's great as Vision too. These are never my favorite characters, but let's let's see what they're doing. You think a show starring them could work? And it did. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, other shows like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I voiced, I don't care for, but it could have been great. It's, it's nice. I'm sure some fans of those characters are overjoyed that they got a spinoff, uh, of the movies and it's hit or miss for sure when it comes to spinoffs, but you could bring a whole new audience to characters who might never have had them. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just nice to see, especially the more niche it gets. Like, I know Justin was overjoyed that we got a Blue Beetle movie. It's like, <laughs> wow. How? Yeah. It's like, wow, well, where are we at now We when Blue Beetle gets gets his own movie? That's incredible. I never thought this would happen. And Bruce yeah, Gold's getting his own show. Sure. And that's <laughs> playing to a niche audience, but I'm there for it. Booster Gold's one of my favorite DC characters of all time. And I'll be hyping that up for other people and being like, look, look, I, you like DC, you like Batman, you like Superman, but have you heard of Booster Gold? <laughs> Part of the same universe. And awesome. The greatest hero you never heard of, mind you. Uh, <laughs> but that's what spinoffs do. They, they give you more opportunities to see parts of the universe you didn't know you wanted, but they can also burn you out. From overexposure. Right. Um, I think the problem is where a lot of people are having burnouts with these big franchises is, especially Marvel, and I hate to throw them under the bus, is they feel and are receiving a lot of quantity, not quality. That's the main issue, especially yeah. with Marvel, where 
especially in this last phase here, it's been very formulaic. It hasn't really been a lot of artists trying to make anything special and unique. I mean, I've seen yeah. some takes where people believe like Thor Ragnarok and Love and Thunder is the same because of the comedy is the same. It's just Taika Waititi turned up to 11. But part yeah. of me still doesn't believe that as well. Um, and it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a, a director directing a movie or a creative person like telling their story it feels like the she-hulk joke with kevin feige being an ai robot just turn out the same story yeah here's a good example of a, of a good marvel spinoff season two of daredevil introduced the punisher he was really only in a couple episodes but made such an impression oh we get a punisher show and that mm-hmm. was really good too and like that feels more organic. Hey, here's a character who was in an already great show that drummed up enough interest that people actually wanted to see spin-off. So maybe spin-off should be driven more by fan demand. But then yeah. again, sometimes you get spin-off. But that's not always a great idea either because sometimes you would uh, not get spin-offs like Frasier. I don't think anyone was, after 10 years of Cheers... 11 even i don't think anyone was clamoring for a fraser crane spinoff he was just the smart guy who hung out at the bar oh what do you know his spinoff had enough legs to go for another 10 years and now that's getting a reboot too coming up who would have thought and i don't think like i said nobody was asking for that but somebody saw potential in that and they said you know what i think we could do a series based on this and it's still going today in some form Mm-hmm. So spinoffs yeah. can be just as successful, if not more successful, than the original. Because once again, we're getting a Frasier reboot. Nobody's looking to reboot Cheers. That was the original yeah. show. Nobody talks about it anymore. But Frasier's still just as popular today. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, it's hard for, I think, studios to realize what's popular or not because... You know, you have your core audience, uh, like, of course, and they're going to be the biggest outcriers, but, you know, does the vast majority of the audience care about this? Like, I re- I honestly don't believe that people cared about that 70s show reboot. Like, it, it got the only traction I think it got was seeing the original cast come back, except it's for the one guy bait. who's in jail now. Yeah, yeah. it's nostalgia bait. So I think studios, they they know they're doing it for the core audience, but then they're just going to, a lot of them just do it just to throw in the nostalgia bait and then don't really put in the effort to make the new characters that great. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like... That did well, another show that did well in that regard, though, was Cobra Kai. Yes. they made... Cobra Kai makes me care just as much about the new characters as they mm-hmm. as it does about Johnny and Daniel, who who have aged quite a well, bit. Well, that's since because the it's about people who care about the fucking universe. Like, it's, yeah, it's a perfect legacy installment because it's got the the themes that carry over, but it's also not beholden to the past. That's kind of the whole point was Johnny was so stuck in the past. He burnt out and, uh, and could never move on from that one time in high school that he could have been something. 
and he has to pick himself back up and look forward. So, but once again, that's another series that's like, nobody asked for Cobra Kai. People thought mm-hmm. that was a stupid idea. It's like, oh, well, this is a novelty at best. But then yeah. someone with actual vision behind it figured out how to make it work. Mm-hmm. And oh, oh, the franchise is like fresher than ever. Who knew Karate Kid could still be relevant? Yeah. In the 2020s. I mean, yeah. There's no right answer here. Games. I mean, it's like, it's a tough decision on whether or not uh, you want to reboot or something because it's just so tough. It's like you're going to have hits and misses. I mean, there can be successful reboots, and but then there could be very terrible uh, reboots as well. It's just, it's, it's so tough. But as long as you have people behind it who are actually passionate about the project and passionate about the characters and the story behind it, who have, they've loved it since they were a kid, you're gonna have amazing products. I mean, look at Andor. Andor is a type of show that you could put in any universe. Like, you don't even have to say the word lightsaber in Andor. I don't think they do. And it just works. But people love Star Wars making that. So they put it in the Star Wars universe. And they just made it a phenomenal written show. But I think Andor also works because it wouldn't have worked as well without the Star Wars brand that built itself up on rebellion, crushing the oppressors. And like it plays well, not just as its own show, but into the general themes of the franchise too. It's a good continuation of the Star Wars brand as well as being a great work of art in its own right. And that's why Andor works. You could take it out of the Star Wars universe, but it means so much more that it's in that universe. Right. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But But sometimes things just work. Like some shows just work right off the bat. Like Game of Thrones worked right off the bat. Sopranos worked right off the bat. Breaking Bad worked right off the bat. Walking Dead worked right off the bat. And yes, those uh, Walking Dead and Game of Thrones came from books and uh, graphic novels. That's a very niche audience. Not a lot of people read nowadays. Uh, So it's hard to get something to work off the ground. But if you put something ahead of the show like HBO or AMC, people will tend to watch it. That's true. But based on going off of that idea of good legacy continuations, I think this is more true more often is that franchises hollow out and lose the original intention behind them. They exist just to exist and coast off name recognition alone. And oftentimes that happens because original writers and actors leave or the creator, they sell off their rights or die. And sometimes they'll return, but passings of the retort, passings of the torch tend to be, I think, more missed than hit a lot of times. You'll get Mm -hmm. a, a Dave Filoni. Or uh, for Andor, Tony Gilroy, every so often, who understands what made the franchise work. Or more right. often than not, you'll get. Um, oh, I don't want to throw too many people under the bus now, but you know the franchises <laughs> that don't work. It's most of them. Uh, you'll get the people who don't understand what they're doing at all. Um, mm-hmm. My list here, I have. Um, a note here, for example, Terminator. 
is one that's like after James yeah. Cameron did his two and somehow the franchise is still going, but there hasn't been a single good Terminator movie since two. It took a very clear drop off after James Cameron and they never got it back because mm-hmm. that movie, those franchise only needed two movies The number two had a very definitive ending and then they kept going and retconning itself just to have excuses to keep making movies. Yeah. It, it never worked. Nothing about that franchise worked, but it still somehow mm-hmm. it just coasts on name recognition alone. Oh, maybe this will be the Terminator movie that's finally good. Actually, Transformers does the same thing, except that was never really good since the 80s. <laughs> None of the new movies are good, but it just coasts off recognition. How dare you? Transformers 1 is a classic. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I never got yeah. past that one. Even as a kid, you didn't get past it? I watched the first one, but I never... I never oh, I see what you're saying. Enough. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like the Transformers as an idea, but it's just... It's not yeah. clicking for me. I'm like, this, well, is, the thing with Terminator, this is for 80s kids. Yeah, the thing with Terminator, specifically, I think it has more to do with star power than actual, like, story elements. There's not much you can expand on besides, hey, we sent someone back from the future to the past to save this child because robots were sent back to the past. There's only so many times you could do that till it gets stale. And I think just the star power of Arnold over the years, it's hasn't really diminished because he's just that popular of a person. So it's just yeah. one of those things of why they keep making it. And they think, Oh, just because Arnold's in it, people are going to love it. Hey, we brought back Sarah Connor. She's going to do great in it. And mixed results. <laughs> Uh, I'd say worse than mixed, just bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <sighs> well, I think one thing a lot of people miss in long-running franchises is that these franchises are often stories, even though they have different spin-offs or uh, multimedia things like they have... TV shows, movies, video games, what have you, that the franchise as a whole is a story. Um, And going back to Ahsoka, I think that's part of the problem, is that it's Ahsoka, they kind of bill as its own TV show. They say, oh, you can watch Ahsoka. And traditionally, we're conditioned to believe that TV shows ought to stand, or miniseries ought to stand alone, that you can, sure, this show called Ahsoka. I can just watch that. But you have to understand when you're watching something like that, that Ahsoka is just the latest piece in an ongoing story. You can't actually jump into Ahsoka. You have to understand that media has changed and we're just calling Ahsoka basically a chat, like a new chapter of a, uh, of a book that's been going on for 40 years. Right. Like people, And that's the thing about long-running franchises people don't understand. It's at the point where you're not starting a new story. You're you're jumping in on a on a new chapter of an adventure that's been going for a very long time. Maybe you'll get lucky and that chapter is something you can follow. But it's it's just one new element to an ongoing world. And it's and I know a lot of people will find it uh disrespectful to watch things out of order but that's just kind of that's the problem you can't start people 
at the very beginning of franchises anymore. The longest running franchises, good luck starting people on chapter one now. Yeah. I mean, very famously, we have a mutual friend, Steve. He refuses to watch Star Wars from the beginning because he finds the older movies a bit boring, but he's an idiot, so. (laughs) But at the same time, I don't necessarily blame him because when you see how far special effects have come and, uh, well, it's not just special effects. It's, It's old pacing, poor effects, outdated social norms and language. And other cringy things that modern audiences see and we're like, oh, that was a very different time. Uh, okay. But you also can't start with the new stuff because you lack the context. Mm-hmm. And it's probably only the least bit representative of what the original was all about because things have changed and adapted so much. It's like, well, maybe it's more palatable for modern audiences, but you look at it and you're like, yeah, that was Okay. And the fan bases are like, what do you mean that was okay? This is, this is the best thing ever. Well, I, I, I didn't understand the context. Like, the hype is okay, I guess. It's like, well, well, you need to, you need to watch the old ones to get it. Well, I don't want to. They're, they're old. Well, oh, well, I think that's your problem. If people want to jump into a franchise, but they don't necessarily want to start from the beginning... Then to me, that's, and especially Star Wars, I'm a huge proponent of if you want to start watching Star Wars, you have to watch the originals first. Because that is where everything is centered around, and that's the story of it. This is the main reason that the rest of the franchise exists, but is also centered around. I mean, prequels are about the Skywalkers, the... Sequels are about the legacy of what happens in the originals. Most of the shows are what happens in between the prequels or the sequels or the originals. And it's just, if you don't want to watch it, then I'm sorry, you're going to miss a lot of context or just stay away from Star Wars then. It's not like I would go to someone, hey, if I'm watching Game of Thrones, uh, should I start at season seven? No. Well, I don't want to start from the beginning. Okay, then you're fucked. Like, I don't know what else you want me to say. Yeah, it just sometimes you got to suck it up and just watch the old stuff. Yeah. It's very You can watch 3 fun. seasons of Love is Blind, but you can't watch 3 movies from the 70s. Like suck it up. Yeah, suck it up or don't get in with the franchise. Exactly. And when you do get in with the franchise, don't waste the fan base's time complaining about how awful the movies are. Actually, a note to the fan base, can the fan base stop doing that to itself? <laughs> yeah. I I want to get in on toxic fan bases in a little bit, but I just want to carry off this point a little bit more. I do think it is okay for some long-running things that you don't need to see everything to get the whole story. I understand these franchises have been going for a very long time, and you're a very busy person. But a good way to go about stuff for TV, specifically, is look up best of lists, maybe. and yeah. I don't care which franchise it is. Every one of you who have a, a something you love very dearly have to admit that a lot of it's probably garbage. Like, especially on TV shows that have been going for a very long time. There are a lot of stinkers in there. Be honest. <laughs> some of the stuff, uh, of course. Yeah, some of the best of all time, I'll bet's in there. But there's a lot of bad stuff that breaks it up. So I don't blame people one bit for just saying, you know what? If I'm going to watch... 
seven seasons of a TV show that had over 20 episodes a season. There's like 200 episodes in this show. I don't mind watching just the top 50. I can make time for that instead of the, I'll watch the top 50, avoid the hundred mediocre ones and the 50 awful ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's okay. Argument on the flip side for not skipping anything is you got to see at least some of the show at its worst to appreciate its best. Because if you're just watching the best, you might not appreciate why it's so good. You got to go on that journey like the rest of us did and watch from and watch enough to be like, uh, you know, sit through <laughs> some of the worst to be a real fan. I think you have to have seen at least some of the worst stuff. Yeah. And still sat through it mm-hmm. just to give a little bit of credibility. Yeah. I mean, I slept, the, th- I, I slept through, but try to watch Venom, uh, let there be carnage. So there's that. Uh, personally, just, I like Let There Be Carnage better than the first one. It was a little. It's not good. I don't care. It's a perfect B movie. <laughs> it's weird, and it leaned more into it than the original did. He's not Venom. Anyway, um, that's <laughs> my whole debate don't... about the Venom franchise. Like, it's its own thing, but like Venom never like webs swings at what at all. And the reason Venom looks the way Venom's supposed to is because he was Spider-Man first. But anyway, doesn't matter. It's their own universe about it. Uh, I'm just a Venom super fan. But yeah, I mean, I agree with your point. Like, you have to see some of the bad to appreciate the good. And, you know, I I would never, I honestly would never say specifically like, hey, avoid the sequels because there is some good stuff in there. And it is a continuation. And if you wanted us to talk about Star Wars with you, then I think all the movies are a must. Yeah, I think all the movies are a must except Solo. And <laughs> um, that's just a joke. But it's just, it, it's tough when you're trying to introduce a franchise that you love to a new person. And um, there's like, oh, I have to spend time on this. I was like, well, yeah, of course you do. I don't necessarily mind giving somebody a gateway drug to get in. If it's an, even if it's an old show or an old franchise, if you're just say you're trying to get into Star Wars, because, you know, like I said, Ahsoka was what started a lot of this discussion in the first place. And right. Star Wars is going to come up a lot, but I wouldn't necessarily even be upset if you showed somebody just Empire Strikes Back before A New Hope. If you're just trying to get it or something like that, if you're just trying I to guess. get in the very best, be like just to hook you in. It's like, look, look, you can watch the beginning, but that might bore you. Perfectly frank, you know, episode four is not necessarily suitable for modern audiences. It's not as breakneck pace as it was in 1977. Empire is the best this franchise has to offer. Here you go. If you like it, I recommend starting at the beginning and, you know, working on the story from there. But... And I know a lot of people will hate me in the in the comments. You'll get you'll get very angry at me for this specific idea. But let's say mm-hmm. just for for TV shows, same thing. You don't have to start at the beginning. Just show some of the best to say this is what this is when it's really good. And if you're interested, then you can start from the beginning and work your I way through TV's- it knowing it gets good. I think TV shows is a little different because you need so much context with what's going on. I mean, 
Yeah. God forbid someone wanted to start Game of Thrones at season three because that is some of the best writing in there. But they're they Game of Thrones specifically is a lot of dialogue and a lot of build up and they talk about a lot of past relationships and what happened. And it is way more fluid starting from season one than it is season three. Like Sopranos, here's another example. Sopranos season one is probably one of the weaker seasons, but still a very good season. Yeah. Um, and it slowly introduces. And even with shows, you can always just take a break. That's you true. know what I mean? Like you can take a break between seasons and with a show, it's episodic. So you only have to take at most 30 minutes to an hour out of your day to watch a single episode and you'll you'll be fine with it. I, I think you will be okay. You will find the time out of your busy schedule to watch an entire show. Unless you're like us and psychotic and binge through a lot of shit. Oh, I, I don't I don't binge. I just I do that one episode a day at a time thing and it just adds up. Well, whatever. All right. Um, <laughs> How many shows are on my leisure list? Just saying. I get through a lot that way. Ryan's got nothing to say. Anyway. Yeah, I rewatch too much stuff now that I think about it. But it, it's just, it's tough because I, I just, I hate the hearing sometimes where it's like, oh, I want to watch something, but I, I don't know where to start. And then you tell them where to start. It's like, well, I don't want to start there. It's like, well, you can't start a marathon halfway fucking through. Like, you just, you just got to do it. I mean, That's we true. had to do it. We got lucky, but we had to do it. Yeah. I mean, I watched all 10 seasons of How I Met Your Mother just to be disappointed. Did <laughs> I want to do that? No, but I had to, to get the context. I think the other problem with these long running franchises though, is that even if you start, sometimes things run for so long that you can't even get a good representation. Uh, Here I have an example of Doctor Who. That show ran for, well, at this point it's 60 years, started in 1963. You can't show somebody modern Doctor Who and then say, oh, go back to the 1960s ones and this is the show. You can't even go, you can't even do that on the original 26 season run. Doctor Who in 1963 is a far cry from what it was in 1989 or even 1974. Just so you know, the 70s were the best ones. But you can't watch William Hartnell or John Pertwee or Peter Davison or Sylvester McCoy they're all completely different. Every mm-hmm. couple of years, that show reinvented itself to the point where it was unrecognizable nearly. It's like, yeah, it's all one show. And if you were following it along season to season, it's like, oh, well, season five doesn't feel that different from season four, but season 10 feels nothing like season five. Mm-hmm. So it's, and then you get into the modern series from 2005 to present. And even that, feels pretty different from itself. Like the stuff they're doing last year is pretty different than from 2005. But if you kept going consistently, yeah. Oh yeah. The the progression makes sense. But on on a show like that, it's been going for so long. You can't even cherry pick stuff and say, yep, this is what this show is. Cause it's not, Mm -hmm. you can say, yeah, this is what this does for those couple years on either side, give or take. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, if you want to watch, if you want to watch David Tennant's Doctor Who, okay. Yeah, this is what it was like when he was on. Which one? 
Well, okay, bad example. Again. Bad example. <laughs> well, no, actually, good example. Yeah, you want to see hasn't David started yet, right? Uh, it's coming out in November. But oh, yeah, that's okay. a good that's a good example, actually. Yeah, watch David Tennant's Doctor Who. Oh well, when he was like the tenth Doctor, the ten and a half Doctor, the kind of fourteenth Doctor. What's like they're very different eras of the show. What do you what do you, what do you want? It's all David Tennant. I think but they it's not should the same. I think if you want to watch Doctor Who, you jump into the crossover episode with David Tennant and Matt Smith. The fiftieth anniversary. Yeah. Where you're trying to tie in. Uh, well, yeah, at that point, you're trying to tie in eight years of TV, uh, a little bit of, and a little bit of pre the show as well. You're trying to fill in that like 15 year gap when the show was off the air with that episode mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a lot there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's just a problem with change is that like, it's great at the same time, the show needed to reinvent itself. Mm-hmm. That was one of the most brilliant things that ever did was came up with the idea of we're going to build in a plot device where actors can switch out every couple of years and the show can as the main character and the show can keep running. Brilliant. But that also means when you're trying to pitch the franchise to people, you can't say, oh, it's this thing. Oh, this actor was so good in the main role because they were only in that role for a couple of years. Oh, you could say this is a great era like. Tom Baker is my favorite era of the show. But Tom Baker's that's just his era. It's not representative of everything. Right. So you can say, oh, I like these couple years. <laughs> but you can't mm-hmm. say I like the whole show. Uh, or you will. There's a little something yeah. for it. So that that's kind of the catch the catch and trade off. There's a little something for everybody there in that 60 years. Your favorite run of the show might not be my favorite run of the show, but it ran for long enough that there's two completely distinct things that we both like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that that's a benefit and a drawback of long-running franchise like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just look at Simpsons or Family Guy or American Dad. Like, there's such a distinctive yep. difference between... With Simpsons, like, season one through eight, and now you're on, what, season 30? 33 or 34 now. Yeah, it's just so different of how everything is, and sometimes shows just need to die. (laughs) They just Mm. need to end before it gets out of control. Well, because sometimes... Simpsons will will never die, though, until they run out of things that they can predict that will come true. So... I just sent you a picture. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching The Simpsons just before we started the show, and it was an episode from season 10 where it was a one-second gag where somebody goes to 20th Century Fox, and the bottom of the sign said, uh, a division of Walt Disney Company. <laughs> That's a 20-year-old joke. And it was for one second on screen, but it, it was... I had to pause it and laugh, because... That's real. hilarious. That's funny you caught that. Yeah. Uh... But that's another interesting point is that a lot of things just run out of steam. Sometimes they don't even get blatantly bad. Well, like it does tend to get bad, but sometimes shows just run out of ideas. Franchises have nothing new to offer you. They can keep going for better or for worse, but it's, it's starting to feel a little repetitive. Let's go back to Star Wars again. Episode seven. I think it's a good movie, but it's, 
definitely not an original. Right. It's kind of just replaying the greatest franchise hits over and over again. And I know a lot of detractors of Dave Filoni's work on Star Wars say the same. They feel he's not being inventive enough with well, the franchise. Wrong, and, so. <laughs> and is more content to bring back cameos and greatest hits from his previous TV shows. I believe he is furthering their stories and it is relevant. But I can also see why people say, eh, give us new characters. Give us, give us more new instead of going back to the same old wells that we no have been proven well the problem is if you do that in star wars you just create just so much crap and it just becomes marvel again whereas when they released their like phase five show list and they were like oh they're gonna be the echo show it's like oh that kind of b villain from hawkeye okay yeah. cool but I it just, could I be don't, great it's like I don't, we talked before about the spinoffs there's a I don't have much confidence in modern Marvel, but the idea of the spinoff isn't abhorrent to me because with the right creative team, right. that show could be one of the most kick-ass shows on TV. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen, well, but the it one, could. Yeah. The one Star Wars show that I am excited about, if it still is happening, is Acolyte, where it's oh. all a bunch of, the, uh, a bunch of Sith uh, running around in their own TV show. That's something that's new that is inventive and... Um, that we have not seen whatsoever. Give this but the whole thing with sure. yeah, and but the whole thing with Ahsoka is like this is a main character to a certain generation of fans. This is a a character that people have grown up with, and yeah. she deserves her spotlight. She and as soon as I saw she was getting her own show, I said absolutely because she deserves it, and I think more people should see who this character is. Yeah, and you know, for people to be like, "Well, she, Dave Filoni's just doing cameos from his old work." What the fuck do you think George Lucas did for the time he was in Star Wars? That's all he did. I mean, look, okay. the, the prequels were like, "Oh, Yoda was here, uh, Obi Wan's here, Anakin's everywhere," and then all the little characters from the prequels he put into the Clone Wars. So nothing is completely original. You need to tie stuff together. And yeah. as soon as you put something else into Star Wars, they're like, okay, where was, where were they during Order 66? Where were they during the Rise of the Empire? Where were yeah. they during the Battle of Yavin? And you have to be very careful with how they do those things. Once again, it's kind of a balancing act. It's, there's a difference between putting this here to flesh it out and I'm just going back to the familiar because I'm too afraid to blaze new trails in this world. But I think the main problem with the running out of ideas is something I notice a lot of franchises do and jump the shark. Right. I, once you jump the shark, you can't go back. I, you probably had this experience just like me where every franchise that goes on more than 10 years, I'll say, hits that point where the crises get so big and so ridiculous and then the heroes save the day and then they have to do it all again sometimes even the next year and it's just like okay i miss when this thing was just about the regular stories and it didn't have to be about world ending events every year Mm -hmm. i'm looking at you (laughs) doctor who again but also marvel once your guy once your main bad guy snaps half-life out of the universe 
<laughs> you okay? What more are you gonna do? Yeah, you keep you're introducing the multiverse because you gotta one up yourself. But what after that? When's gonna come the point of? Okay, this is too much, and I literally can't even comprehend it anymore. And you're just throwing everything to see if it'll stick. I just I can't even comprehend the scale of this anymore because you just have to keep going bigger. There's no human stakes anymore. And I feel like every franchise does that, even on more of a macro level. It's called flanderization. Like they run out of ideas, so everyone just reverts to the one trait of themselves. Everybody most associates with them. Ned Flanders used to be a nuanced character. Now he's just that local religious guy who gets offended at everything. But there used to be so much more to him. Uh, like every everything really has has that if it runs long enough. They run out of ideas. The stakes get way too high and goofy and stupid. You lose grounding. People become less nuanced. It's just... And sometimes things can come back from this. Um, I've heard The Simpsons in recent years has made their characters more grounded again. A lot of fans are happy about that. These things can make a turnaround, but they just, they tend to get worse before they get better. Just because people can't think of more grounded scenarios to put their characters in, so they, they have to be like... Okay, what else? What else you got? This franchise isn't stopping. So, what more can we do? And sometimes you'll get really creative ideas. Most of the time, you're gonna lose people. Yeah, it's gonna happen. You're gonna have people fall off from franchises here and there, and you're gonna have the people who just love it to death and will stick with it to the end. It's going to happen. Creators need to realize that and not be so afraid of it, and just stick to it what's working, but still adding some creative element to it. Well, once again, that's the double-edged sword. Or let it die. (laughs) Well, that's that's what I was going to say. Do you foster some creativity by saying, we're in a spot, what more can we do? And try to think of really interesting ways out of your corner. Or do you just let it die its natural death because you can't really do much more? I think comic books are another great example of this. Superman and Batman and you know they've been around for 80 years. I don't think you can tell any more stories with Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne that I haven't seen before or Peter Parker. Uh, like Is these that characters a challenge. Been... <laughs> I'm sorry, but these characters have been around for so long. I've seen them adapted so many times. Maybe not every adaptation is counter has gotten every bit. Like, yeah, we're only now getting Batman movies like the Matt Reeves one that show his world's greatest detective side. But the comics have been done to death. Like, the comics don't have any more new stories for Batman to tackle. It's like I've, I've seen the same themes explored over and over and over again. Like, what's When do we just let it die and pass on? And that's where we get into legacy installments, for better or for worse. But, um, okay, here's a good example also with DC. DC had this really good thing going for a while where they were replacing all their Silver Age characters with new counterparts. Two off the top of my head that were very popular were uh, Kyle Rayner and Wally West as Green Lantern and The Flash. Wally West specifically was 
probably the most successful legacy character in DC history, one of the most successful of all time, um, replacing his mentor for decades in the comics. And then they brought Barry Allen back. And he's basically been the main Flash ever since, until really recently. And I know a lot of people who love Barry Allen, they say, oh, this is fantastic, we got Barry Allen back. But a lot of other people who grew up with Wally West for a long time, they said, well, why is this happening? You're moving backwards now. Barry Allen got his time, and now this is, like, Wally West is the main character of the book. We've seen basically every Barry Allen story we can see. Why do you... What are you retreading old ground for? Why don't we move forward? Because franchises are afraid to move forward. They go back to the familiar. So, and a a lot of them do that. They're just afraid to keep going. Yeah, for sure. Try something actually different. Mm -hmm. Um, So another problem with uh, franchises is toxic fan bases. Yeah. The longer it goes... You know, I'm not going to say this is a problem because people are bad and and franchises are just inherently toxic. What I think the problem is, is if anything runs for long enough, it's back to the Doctor Who conundrum. It's you get enough people, they all have strong opinions about different things. Your favorite Doctor might be the era you grew up in. And mine might be the favorite era I grew up in. Back in the 70s, there was only four guys to choose from. The debate wasn't that intense. Now it's 14. Imagine that. (laughs) Well, 13 people, I guess. But the point is, there's so much more of it to debate. So you get stronger opinions. You get more fighting. The fan base gets more fractured in the different segments. Oh, well, you know, this, this isn't my era. I don't count this as canon at all. Well, but... But it is. Oh, well, I don't like it, so it doesn't count. Oh, it's only the original trilogy. Oh, it's, uh, you know, original and prequels are pretty good. No, original prequels and sequels. They're all, they're all relevant. Stop discounting them at all. Mm-hmm. Like, all these franchises get fractured over time. People arguing over what's legitimate or what's not. It's yeah. funny, because it ends up to the point where many fans seem to hate the majority of their franchise. <laughs> I'm like, well, how do you, how yeah, do you call know. yourself a fan and complain about like everything except a tiny subset? Yeah, I've met a few uh, Star Wars fans. There was like a meetup during the May the 4th once, and there was one person who I was talking to. They're like, yeah, I don't watch Disney Star Wars. And a part of me understood that, but another part was like, you should still watch some of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't blame people for not wanting to watch new stuff because, to be fair, it is a lot of stuff on especially on streaming services there's so much crap to keep up with and i don't blame people who aren't uber fans of uh uber fans of this of franchises to keep up with it because i mean fuck some of the shows go on for 10 hours plus eight hours plus and that's a lot of commitment to for uh for people who just like to watch the movies so I understand uh, when there's some people who have, like, fatigue or, you know, <laughs> they see one bad iteration of something and then they just assume everything else is kind of on the same level. But, you know, toxic people will be toxic. Usually the loudest person in the room is usually the one who's 
the one in the Ron, or just not the most level-headed. And with any fan yeah. base, you should always just take it with a grain of salt. I mean, look at sports fans. You talk, you <laughs> talk about sports fans, probably the best and worst insults I've ever heard have come from sports fans talking to each other. It's going to happen. Just kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. I would never tell somebody to not join a franchise based on the fan base, though. I would warn them about it, but I would not be like, don't be afraid to tell your opinion. Unless it's Last of Us fans. That's a bit different. (laughs) Well, see, that's the problem with a toxic fan base, though. Is that when you're getting into something new, let's say you got past that hurdle we talked about earlier and you actually found a good gateway into into the franchise. You're watching it. You're legitimately enjoying it. And when you enjoy something, you want to talk about it because discussion helps foster further passion for the franchise, for whatever you're watching. But then everyone you have to discuss it with is an asshole and tears every (laughs) opinion of yours apart, especially when you're brand new in it and you don't understand the nuances yet. You didn't understand that the post you made about your favorite episode was the least liked episode in the whole series. Yeah. (laughs) And you get and you get ripped to shreds on that like oh no 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 you're you're an idiot for liking that what are you talking about like oh well i'm new i didn't i didn't realize it was a uh i didn't realize this was a hot take sorry mm-hmm. but yeah so that's that's a big problem and that doesn't help foster more growth why do i want to keep watching this thing and discuss it on a on a deeper level as art when my experience is we're bad in that regard. Mm-hmm. It, it just it doesn't help people want to be fans of things. I hear and once you. again, I think people should realize there's going to be toxic people wherever you go. And as soon as you yeah. give your opinion on something, the people who disagree with you are going to be just absolutely harsh. And that's yeah. also has to do with just where we at, where we are at now in society because of the internet. It's given everybody a voice, and a lot of those voices are pretty mean. So, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help a lot. But hey, as soon as you are able to uh, to get past all the all the crap and really enjoy the franchise for what it actually is, then that's what a true fan is. I agree with that. So another, and also without well, the sequels, we wouldn't get Babu Freak. So take that, everybody. <laughs> Babu Freak. So another thing about long-running franchises is that they end up creating weird contradictions amongst themselves. Once you have franchises that expand from books, video games, movies, TV shows, comic books, all sorts of media, there tends to be a generally held idea of what's canon or not. Uh, If you never heard the term canon, that's just kind of the legitimate events. There's like fan fiction and then there's, this is legitimately the story. A lot of it kind of blurs together, but some people say this is legitimate uh, and this is not. But you start getting contradictions the longer things run. You'll have like, I don't know, a line in in a canon comic book. It's like, yep, this is the way things are. But then the TV show 
will get revived and then they'll say something yeah. and, it, and it'll erase that from canon. And people who read the book are like, what the hell? That was, that was canon. It's like, well, it was. And then the thing that's more legitimate showed up and said that doesn't count anymore. Mm-hmm. Or even you'll have a line from a movie and then five years later you'll have another line that contradicts it. And the, and the people who make the new movie are like, no, this is the real thing now. Like the thing that jumps to mind is uh, Far From Home where um, <clears throat> Mysterio said this is Earth 616. And then like four years later, Across the Spider-Verse is like, don't, uh, that was actually Earth 1999999. And I was like, oh, that's the true thing. And it's like, okay. Well, yeah. So which one do I believe? <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Like there was a, somebody stated a thing. And then later it got contradicted and then somebody made up a reason for that contradiction or they just ignored mm-hmm. it and said, this is what it is now. Don't ask yeah. too many questions about it. Which going back to toxic fan bases that tends to piss people off when the thing they like is suddenly rendered obsolete. I know I was there when all of Star Wars Legends was rendered obsolete in 2012 when Disney bought Lucasfilm. I said, well, I invested that wasn't really a contradiction so much as a hard reboot. Yeah. They said, well, all this stuff is glorified fan fiction anyway. The only thing that really counts is the Clone Wars cartoon because George Lucas made it and the original movies because he made it. Everything else, he said, he let slide. But, like, we're making our story now. And right. And it doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with these. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people get pissed and they say, well, this was the story and I don't count your story. Like, well, too bad. (laughs) But even that contradicts itself. Like, I know a lot of people, like there was a comic book that said Kylo Ren was Luke Skywalker's first apprentice. And then at the end of Mandalorian, we see Grogu went to train with him for a bit. And people said, oh, well, your own comic book said something different. There's people whose whole jobs it is to make sure these kind of contradictions yeah. don't happen. So stuff stuff happens. You can't keep track of every single line or action in media. The bigger a franchise is, the longer running it is, you're gonna you're gonna screw up eventually. And then your brain's gonna break. Yeah. Or fan theories will arise about why there was a contradiction or some writer will make a reason mm-hmm. for the contradiction to exist. Yeah, and then Kathleen Kennedy has to make a press conference and then explain everything, but not answer anything at the same time. <laughs> and she'll just say it's the fans' fault somehow. <laughs> uh, you sexist piece of shit. Anyway, we were just asking what planet they're on. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> so I think my favorite uh, thing about long-running franchises, is, to end on a more positive note, is the the history behind them. It's just. One example I have here is I watch a, a, a not, not that often anymore, but I, I watched a soap opera for a while, General Hospital, and I started it in around 2013. Uh, so I've been watching on and off for 10 years now, and soap operas are daily, uh, like Monday to Friday, a new episode every single day. And General Hospital has been running for 60 years now. So they've been doing... A new episode, Monday to Friday, for 60 years. And the crazy thing about something like that is that it's still the same actors as they were decades ago. Like, my mom watched that show in the 80s. Same actors. 
My grandmother watched that show in the 60s and 70s. Still some of the same actors playing the same characters in an ongoing continuity that's never been rebooted. And when I jumped in on 2013, there's no roadmap for this. I just, my mom came in some days and, and saw who was on. She's like, oh, oh, wow, that's like, that's Nicholas. I remember him from when I watched in the 80s and 90s. I'm like, oh, great. Explain to me who this is and how they relate to <laughs> these people. And then my grandmother's like, oh, that's Monica. I remember her from the 70s. I'm like, oh, great. Explain to me. <laughs> what's happening here because you, you gather a lot just watching but sometimes it's like that was a fun experience just kind of being thrown in the deep end on this show that had a 60-year history and i've just got to figure it out and it's still yeah. it's still going and it's been going for 60 years with or without you you drop in you drop out but the thing keeps going and it's got all this history my favorite thing about that, though, is that when they, again, a random episode, when a character says, oh, yeah, just like the time you did this to me back in the 80s, it was an actual thing. <laughs> like everything they reference actually happened at some point in the history. Like, oh, this happened all the way back in 1966. It almost definitely did. And someone was alive to see that. And they can say, oh, yeah, yeah I actually remember that 60 years ago. Uh, so that's kind of a, a living history, for example, but you know, you have comic books, movies, what have you, anything that runs for long enough is kind of a living history that the story continues, uh, whether through contradictions or jumping the shark or even coming back down from it or changing actors or creators, it all kind of ties in to this great web of uh of just of history and some of it is good some of it's garbage but just as a fan it's fun to navigate that web and say all these things are part of my franchise it existed before me it's probably going to exist long after me i'm here for this period of it for better or for worse i can enjoy some stuff before maybe i'll enjoy some stuff after but it's kind of a living thing that's beyond me in a way. And that's just kind of fun to step in while you're there and uh, enjoy it while you can. So that's the nice thing about franchises that run for a long time. Yeah, well said. Yeah, that's about well, all I got to say on this. Yeah, well... You can find me at Ryan Walker Official on YouTube, TikTok, and on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at ThoughtPlay Media. Also, check out the close-up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We hope to see you on the next close-up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time. Take care. And may our franchise live strong for decades. <laughs> Until they recast us.